This is Michael, host of the political podcast, Cuckoo for Politics. I am so passionate about politics, hence the name Cuckoo for Politics, and I hope you are too. Thanks for joining. This is a podcast discussion on political perspectives on various issues that matter with citizens of the world. So I do ask that you grab your favorite libations, whether it be coffee, tea, water, juice, beer, wine, or a spirit or two, and let's get ready for some lively conversation and let's learn something together. This episode is the conclusion of What's Up with Florida. In my previous conversation with my esteemed guests, you will recall we discussed how the state of Florida has evolved to becoming a crucial state in the overall political landscape of the country. With the increase in population in recent years, it has earned an additional congressional seat and electoral vote, which will be crucial in the next presidential election. The current governor, Ron DeSantis, unofficially is positioning himself to be the Republican presidential nominee, but he must win re-election as governor first. In the meantime, to reaffirm his conservative credentials, he has been successfully, in his first term, to sign into law some draconian measures. Just to highlight a few, he has banned certain math textbooks to be taught in schools. He's preventing teachers from discussing any hints that may address social injustice or talk of sexual orientation. Those are the ones that have been highlighted and has gained him national attention. I'm afraid it does not even end there. He has even pushed for the state to establish an election police force that is projected to have a bloated budget in search of a statewide voter fraud problem that does not exist. Florida State Representative Yvonne Hayes from Gainesville, Florida, stated in Politico, in reference to this election police force, and I quote, Its implementation will put up additional barriers to voting and targets communities of color. This bullying tactic will intimidate and immobilize workers, families, and everyday people. In essence, all of this is in an effort not only to catapult him to win a second term, but he wants to be regarded as a prominent contender within the Republican Party, if he chooses, or should I say, when he decides to run for higher office. Now, if this is your first time listening to this podcast episode, I do encourage you to stop and go back to listen to Season 2, Episode 28, What's Up with Florida, Part 1, as this will aid yourself to better understanding of the subject matter, the flow of conversation, and to be able to pick up where we left off. Joining me in my discussion is my guest who needs no introduction, but I shall tell you anyway. He is my longtime friend of Ron and Cut political commentator Sam Jean. In brief, he and I met while attending undergrad at Eastern Nazarene College, a Christian liberal arts college in Quincy, Massachusetts. Is there we formed a bond because we both majored in history. Now, Sam, you should know, my guest, graduated with distinction, magnum cum laude, and then he also pursued a Juris Doctorate from Boston University. I myself went to St. John's University in Queens, New York, where I obtained a master's degree in political science and inducted to the Phi Sigma Alpha Honor Society. Now, we always keep in touch, and we often highlight and discuss the political matters of today. Hence why he has become my Kuku for Politics brother, Ron and Cut. 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Kuka for Politics. And let's get ready for some lively discussion while learning something together. The other thing that I, I find surprising, and you said, too, that the party is basically making these allegations because they're doing it. I've read in the Tampa Bay Times, and you may be aware of this as well, that canvassers, people who are going out and registering to people to vote, Republican ones are going to specific targeted communities, mostly the elderly, Hispanic communities, and switching their party affiliation from Democrat to Republican. And they pick those people at certain times of the day. So think about it. You're elderly, you're in your apartment, you're in your home. These people are coming to register you to vote, saying voter ID, here's information for you. And they're coming at a specific time, like after five o'clock. And if you're elderly, you know that's sundowning time. You're not really focused on what's going on. And you hear information, but like, oh, you just signed. And then they came out and said, they, they switched my party. I mean, that's, that's, that is voter fraud, blatantly denying the person's individual right to uh, vote. It's, it's, it it really mucks it up. Uh, I'm not sure about how, uh, whether you have to be affiliated. I should have looked this up in Florida uh, to vote in the primary, but, but what we do know about uh, elderly voters is that they vote. They consistently vote and they vote in primaries and things of that nature. So if you needed to be a registered Democrat to vote in the Democratic primary, you wouldn't get a ballot. If you went down there, the people would say you're not a registered Democrat. You wouldn't vote. You know, um, so so part of it is that part of it is it's just the level of abuse of the system, abuse of the process. And because they know nothing will happen to them. OK. We had ACORN shut down because some right-wing provocateurs went in and filmed, deceptively filmed something, and we had to shut down ACORN. You can't be in the community registering people to vote. But you have people going around canvassing. And not only that, there was a time where uh, during the audit, when states were doing particular audits, like in Georgia, that people were going around telling people, hey, listen, you voted twice to people, trying to intimidate people to admit that they had voted twice and, and confusing them. That's their strategy. The strategy is if they're accusing you of doing something, they're doing it. Yeah. Oh, ab- okay? ab- absolutely. You, you, you also know what voter fraud is? Voter fraud is saying you won an election that you lost. That's voter fraud. You know what voter fraud is? Calling the secretary of the state of Georgia and saying, hey, man, could you find me 15,000 votes? That's voter fraud. Voter fraud isn't you losing an election that you were predicted to lose. Do you know why Fox called Arizona before anybody else? How did Fox know this? Right? How did Fox know this? Fox knew this because... Already, we know that uh, from text that they were working hand in hand with the Trump administration. But put that aside. 
the Republicans' internal polling, Trump's internal polling, told him he was having trouble in Arizona. It told him he was having trouble in Pennsylvania. It told him he was going to have trouble in Georgia. They already knew this. But again, hey, he lost. They felt he should have won. Therefore, there's voter fraud. But now, voter fraud, like abortion, like crime, because something that they can hang over the neck of Democrats and say, hey, listen, because even things like immigration, they tie it to voter fraud. I had a Republican tell me the reason the Dems are doing nothing about the border is they want this influx of immigrants to come in because they can register them to vote. Yeah, and, and you, you're touching on something, too, about um, immigration, because I, I think before I jump on that topic. I think the strategy of what they're doing, changing people's party affiliation, is in twofold. It's basically minimizing the number of voters who can participate in the primary. So if you have more people registered as Republicans and less on the Democrats, that Democratic candidate has fewer votes that he or she could garner and solicit, advertise, and so forth like that. And so the only way that could happen is if that voter recognizes what happened, tries to change it in time, and then they could vote in a primary. But if not, they could still vote in a general election for either party. But I think another caveat to that is marketing, because if the voter rolls are more Republican than Democrats, then the media outlets will report that the candidates themselves will report that. And the party itself as well will report that. Basically, it's a mind game. There's more of us than you, then you really don't have a chance. And then to that voter who is probably a Democrat, who would like to vote Democrat, no sense in voting because our party will win because the numbers are, are there. And I think that's a two-part marketing strategy of what the Republicans doing. And then you said something too about immigration, the fear of others. And I we've discussed this before in previous episodes, but that's how J.D. Vance won in Ohio. He talked about the, and he's a Republican candidate running for, I believe, Senator or Congress. I'm, I'm, I don't remember the, the office he's Senator. He, he did that too in Ohio, in a district or in a state that has less than 5% of foreign-born citizens. I mean- they're creating a problem or telling a problem that's really not there. It's not like people are coming in from the various borders and going directly to Ohio. They're not doing that. <laughs> they, they, they don't live in the real world. And the point that you just made, you beat me to it, was the point that I was going to come back to, which is to say that they have messaging, right? And and if their messaging says, hey, look at the voter rolls in, in Palm Beach County, okay? Look at how many Republicans we have registered. Look at that. It, it Like you said, um, it gives this false sense that that they are in the majority in places where they are not, okay? But all this is consistent in the sense that their messaging is that there's more of us. We should always win. And when we don't win, it's because something criminal, wrong, sneaky, evil happened period. And if you can get voters to believe that, 
you have a hand up because they're not going to hold you accountable. There's not, they're not going to say, why do you need an office of election crimes and security? I believe that that's what it's called in, in Florida. No, it, it think, is. They'll think it's necessary. They'll, of course, it's necessary. You know, Florida, there's a lot of Haitians. There's a lot of immigrants. There's a lot of Jamaicans. You know, these people are voting Democrat and, and they're probably not citizens and they're committing fraud. Meanwhile, we found out in Florida that uh, in a in that community, uh, there was a community that had like I think two instances of voter fraud, and it was it was people voting for Trump, and and normally I wouldn't even mention it because you know two random people cheating is it d- didn't make Trump win Florida. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like it, it's not even statistically. It doesn't move the needle at all. There's no point in me even saying it, but I'm just pointing out the hypocrisy of it. It's it's not designed to be true. It is just designed to be part of a message that is designed to keep them in power perpetually. Yeah, and and you wonder, there are times I'm watching the advertising and from campaigns, particularly from the Republicans, and I'm like, what are you talking about? There is that's not even there when talking about the CRT. We're talking about don't say gay or the woke society. It's like labels. They're going after these labels, um, and there's really no concrete what they plan to do in office. What they what is their proposal? It's basically carrying on from the 2016 and 2020 election theme from from Donald Trump. And not saying anything that's really going to direct um, my my wallet or my purse or what's going on with you know everyday inflation. I want to keep going, but you know this is an ongoing issue about critical race theory, about voter fraud, about the attack of the individual's right to vote. Um, and when when we go on. This is going to be like very frustrating because it's still an issue that's prevalent in our society. And I don't know what is the best way to combat these falsehoods other than telling the truth. But you said it before, you know, they have their source of information. They're not listening to facts. Well, Michael, that's I was going to ask you that question. I was going to say, well, what are Democrats doing? But um, the point is, there isn't any symmetry in how the media treat messaging from Republicans, which become standard media talking points, and messaging from Democrats, which is always presented as Democrats say, right? They don't say Republicans say parents are concerned. They say parents are concerned across the nation, right? So from the messaging perspective, and this is why I am um, disheartened. I think that's the word I'm looking for because there, there doesn't seem to be a way to combat the messaging because the way that we are accustomed to presenting politics, we're accustomed to presenting it as both sides. Both sides are equal. Republicans want small government. Democrats want larger government. There's a, there's a, there's a symmetry there, right? Okay. Um, uh, this person believes in this kind of judicial philosophy. Democrats believe in this kind of judicial philosophy. And there's some balance there. But that's not the case. I 
and, and I've said this to Republicans, and I am not a person who's an hysterical person, but these people behave in a way that I think any reasonable person would be, this is kind of insane. Why would I hitch my train to that? J.D. Vance is a graduate of the law school at Yale. Okay? J.D. Vance knows that people aren't being shipped into Ohio to vote for Democrats. I just got to laugh at that. (laughs) (laughs) But why would any reasonable person think that way? No reasonable person who's given the facts and the evidence actually believes that Donald Trump won the election. No person believes that. No reasonable person would believe that given the fact. But there are people who continue to believe that. And if it works, why would they change? If their feet aren't held to the fire in terms of how the media reports what they say, why would they change? We have Trump who will most likely be the Republican nominee for president. He's been impeached twice. He's been impeached twice, Michael, and he very well could be the next president of the United States. Especially as with gerrymandering, tightening of I, I mean, voter but, rights. But I mean, how the president gets decided, it isn't really majority rule. Correct. How the, how the president gets decided. So Trump doesn't have to convince reasonable Americans everywhere that, you know, he's the right person for the job. All he has to do is strategize and say, I got to win a few of these states. And if I could win a few of these states, I'm going to be president. The guy was impeached twice. The guy has admitted to doing crimes. The guy incited an insurrection. Yet he may be president again. You're right. I, I, I hate to even say this. And and I would like to ask my conservative friends, if 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 Barack Obama had done a quarter of that, okay, if Black Lives Matter activists had stormed the Capitol because Obama told them they needed to go get justice, <laughs> you think Obama would have been reelected? You think if he would have lost, he would have been allowed to come back and run again? You have a host of Trump former Trump officials writing books telling you how crazy the man is. Yet he may be president again. And what's what's crazy too, the candidate J.D. Vance, he actually said this, and I believe in a book, that Donald Trump, he said this in 2016, Donald Trump is America's Hitler. He said it and still got the endorsement from Trump. You know, that's crazy. No, see, but Trump's not the crazy one, right? Because Trump, we all know Trump is a narcissist and, and, and he's an egomaniac and all he cares about is what makes him look good. So for Trump to make a guy like that, who said you were a problem, you were the problem with the Republican party to make him come to Mar-a-Lago and bend the knee to you. Trump doesn't have to be afraid of anyone. He doesn't have to be afraid of anyone. This this is what the Republican Party has become. Kevin McCarthy 
right after the insurrection, he had a moment of lucidity. He said, man, this, this it's his fault. We should, the 25th Amendment will take too long. What can we do? And then three days later, it's Antifa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some other <laughs> some other organization. You're right. And you know, it's Antifa. It, they they call it what, amnesia. It to, it, it, it's, but listen. Selective no amnesia, shame. should I say. But but there's no political shame. And we don't, and, 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 and I hold the media responsible for this too. Every time they talk about Kevin McCarthy, they should say, Kevin McCarthy, who was caught lying, period. Okay? Treat Kevin McCarthy's lies like you treated Hillary Clinton's emails. Treat it like that. Every time you write about him, say how he lied. He says this, he did that. But it, it's just treated as, oh, it's just, you know, it's just politics. Well, that wasn't politics. That had nothing to do with politics. That was an honest assessment of something that if a couple of things went the wrong way, a lot of people could have been hurt or even killed. But we've forgotten about it. Well, no, we have not forgotten about it. Well, you, but you know, there's, but there's, come there's, 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 there's media country. outlets that do not even focus or even bring it up at all, at all whatsoever. You know, this reminds me of a, uh, of a quote um, as we talk about the accusations that... Um, Republicans have said voter fraud and and so forth. And it's a meme that says, um, always remember, every accusation is a confession and it has a Republican symbol on it. And I'm like, yep, that that's true. And that basically summarizes the current QAnon um, uh, party, uh, I'll have to say, because even some of my Republican friends are dismayed by the current trend. It remains to be seen what happens in the fall election. Will they vote for the Republican candidate that's like a, on a QAnon or vote for a traditional or um, level-headed, if that's a word for a Republican, Michael. or will they vote to Democrat? <laughs> Come on, or Dr. Michael. Oz, or Dr. <laughs> Oz. Michael, really, man? It's not. We're not at the end of the podcast yet, so I can't start laughing and giggling, but you got to be kidding me, right? Will they vote for the Democrat? Did you hear what these people said? Barr said Trump is completely unfit. Oh, you're and then right. They said, you're right. You're Would right. Would you vote for him? He goes, yes. <laughs> you're because, right. Because a, a deranged Trump, a crooked Trump, a criminal Trump, an incompetent Trump is better than any Democrat. That's the thinking, Michael. And you think, didn't you watch the primaries? Okay, Trump endorsed candidates were winning. Okay, there's only one guy who 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 happened to not win. I don't think he was endorsed by Trump. He ended up losing to a Democrat because he just made the the most outrageous and outrageous of statements, and and they highlighted that. But the majority of that party, Michael, of course they're not going to vote for the Democrat, even to their own detriment. Crazy, but, I, but they but, don't think it's to their detriment. That's the whole point. They don't think it's to their detriment. They think it's to your detriment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's to my own. Um, yeah, we could go on, my friend. As always, um, we'll have to come back and talk about other other top political topics as well, because uh, it's just like sometimes you just have to bang your head about what is 
literally going on. And then when you watched the rhetoric going on in a television, uh, you just have to, on the news outlets, you have to laugh. I thought, um, one quick note, did you get a, um, did you watch or get see clips of the White House Correspondents' Dinner? Uh, Yes, I I saw clips of the super spreader event. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thought it was funny how um, President Biden called out uh, I'm going to be paraphrasing because it was a, a week ago, but how he said about in order to come to the event, you had to be double vaccinated and boosted. And then he pointed out to Governor DeSantis and all the other Republican elected officials and Fox and saying, hey, again, all these people here have been vaccinated and boosted. Don't let them lie to you that this is not not to get vaccinated. And I thought that was hilarious. I said, wow, President Biden, that, that was that was a very good one. The hypocrisy, he, has, he was basically calling calling them out. But Michael, he has dementia and his son has a laptop that oh. has secret <laughs> files from the big guy on it. I mean, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All, all, all the hypocrisy and all the, the falsehoods, um, which we'll bring up on the next topic about the state of the Democratic Party and their messaging. All right, Sam, as always, a pleasure. Thanks, Michael, man. I had a good time. I'll, I'll, I'll try it next time. I'll try to be more serious, but I told you I'm disheartened. No, At this no. point, if I don't laugh, I'm a cry. You know? <laughs> true, true, true. Later. Before I share my closing thoughts on this segment, let me first say thank you for listening and ask that you subscribe to this podcast, which can be listened on Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor, or whatever podcast platform you choose to listen. Once you subscribe, you'll be able to get the latest episodes that drops as well as some bonus features. Follow me on Facebook under Cuckoo, the number four politics, Instagram, Cuckoo underscore the number four underscore politics, or my very own website, kukuforpolitics.com. Feel free to comment on either of those platforms as I welcome all feedback. Now, in this episode, you could probably tell in a tone between myself and my guests that we are somewhat bewildered at the actions that have been made and taken place thus far by the current Florida governor, DeSantis, who has positioned himself and his state, for that matter, to be the symbol of the freest state in the United States, no mandates, no requirements of any, just Floridians being Floridians. As I pointed out in that discussion, the current GOP, especially under Governor DeSantis, gives off the perception that they stand for personal freedoms and individual rights. Yet their actions appear to infringe on those same freedoms. As you recall, we discussed how Florida banned certain textbooks in the school system, created an election police force. Now, if the news reported these same events without mentioning of the location, it is probably safe to say that you and I will be thinking that this is happening in some far-off country. But no, it's here in the United States, in Florida. You should note, Florida is the only state in the union that has not taken the liberty to place an order of the federal supply of free COVID vaccine for kids. Medical experts throughout the country agree and improve that providing this vaccine for children is essential to combating the COVID-19 virus. But not DeSantis. Again, without any evidence, 
no widespread voter fraud, no formal medical or science educational background to speak of, he said no. Now, he did reverse his decision based on the backlash, particularly from parents. But think about it. He said no initially because why? He would rather appeal to his anti-vaxxers political base rather than the concerns of the health and well-being of the general public, and in this case, kids. In reading an article from the Washington Post dated back in June 18th, it stated that the American Academy of Pediatrics reports that 1,055 children nationwide have died of COVID. In total, some 13.5 million children of all ages have been infected over the course of the pandemic. Florida alone has had 400,000 cases from ages 5 to 11 infected. Now, to me, that is not a small percentage, considering the age group and the long-term effects. To me, it appears he's making more of a political gamble in hopes to win re-election and his desire to seek higher office. Overall, Florida has bigger problems that will have more repercussions than this sole politician. If you recall, when I described in What's Up With Florida Part 1, I talked about the images of what people think of when they think of Florida. Warm and sunny skies. Fun. But a compounding factor that can have a negative repercussions of those images is the state's reluctance to address climate change. It was reported that the recent tropical storm Alex dumped 11 inches of water on Miami-Dade alone, turning the streets into rivers and semi-submerged cars along with leaving toxic runoff from septic tanks pouring into communities. Florida's poor environmental record was even highlighted in a 2006 documentary, An Inconvenient Truth, whereby former Vice President Al Gore pointed out to the significant devastation and long-term effects of this crisis facing the state. Some of the recommended practical solutions, such as extending the sewer system, long-term planning for higher sea levels, re-examining building codes, or taking any aggressive steps to mitigate global emissions have been met with resistance. Despite the warnings or offers, Republicans who have run Florida since 1999 are impediment to doing anything. The previous governor, Rick Scott, was a climate change denier, and Ron DeSantis has dismissed all things global warming as a pretext to do a bunch of left-wing ideologies. All of this dysfunction and information has made it nearly impossible for the state's long-term planners to prepare for future storm-related damages that will cost trillions if nothing is done. I get the sense that the current Republican messaging plan for every campaign season is to create diversions and ignore the real problems facing the American public. Do you remember during Obama years, the GOB candidates campaign and some won on the campaign promise, repeal and replace Obamacare. But when they had control both houses in Congress and the White House, it came to fruition that they never had a plan to begin with. Today's GOP candidates have moved away from such rhetoric and now focus on inflation, mainly high gas prices, and I must admit, rightfully so. I'm interested, I'm sure you are too, would like to hear what alternative plans can be done. Some have campaigned on getting rid of of the local gas tax. 
My understanding is that the tax revenue from this gas tax provides funding for maintaining the roads and bridges that we use every day. So if it's not collected, my question to the politician is, where will that money come from when you need to repair those roads and bridges? And how long will the tax holiday last? The current stance by DeSantis, in my opinion, could be summed up this way. No evidence of voter fraud. Let's put millions of dollars into a, um, a bureaucracy. Significant evidence of severe climate change having a negative impact on the state and its economy. Well, let's, there's nothing to see here. Now, I don't know what to make of this. I am perplexed just as you. That's why I, the host, will plan to invite guests who are from Florida, from the Sunshine State, to provide their insights. So stay tuned for that one, because that will be discussion and an episode for later in the year. This is Michael, host of the political podcast, Kuka for Politics. Again, thanks for listening. Until the next episode, stay blessed.